Kiss casket. Kiss condoms. Kiss curly kale. Well, maybe not the last one. But kiss were eponymous. A band larger than life who embraced the capitalist way and had their own kind of storied history. How they turned away from their early money-making and successful gimmicks, tried to embrace the zeitgeist, and then came back because everything comes back. And they've got such an interesting story and they have such party songs that talking about them is always going to be interesting too. So this is the first part of the Kiss Unauthorized documentary Larger Than Life which has been taken down and put back on YouTube many, many times. And you know, it's by Raul Vieira, who also calls himself, I can't believe I'm saying this, Dr. Fuck, F-U-K-K, I think. Yeah, there you go. And he's a fan, and he's a New Yorker, and everything's a shout. But actually... Because he loves this band so much, this is a great documentary. Because you see, he doesn't just talk about the band, and this is an album-to-album documentary, so we know it's got a familiar, um, a familiar way to it, and a familiar structure. But what he also does is he also shows us live clips. He shows us adverts for those um, for those albums. And he shows us bits on TV, news reports. This is nicely leavened. This is not just him talking about the albums and talking um, to a few of the of people around it. Talking Heads, for instance, you know, who worked in the studio or local DJs or, you know, it doesn't just do that. He has Paul Stanley's voice, um, clearly reading from a script on some other kind of... Um, project possibly but he also has that he gives us the history and he gives us that quickly in a bouncy way nicely done and then we start with his fan worship but there's nothing wrong with that it drives this documentary for instance he tells us that um, he loves the second album he loves Hotter Than Hell because he says, well, you know, the sound has got a kind of murky, murky quality to it, as if it was recorded in a tunnel. That's clearly not great. But he says, but I loved it because it added to the music. It added to the to the songs that he likes. It added charm. Now, when someone says that, you know they're a real, real fan. You know, as I say, this love of the band is infectious, you know. He, he says he, he likes Come, Come On And Love Me from the, from the Dress To Kill album. So we see that video, which is one of the first videos they made to push that song and push that album. He deifies Kiss Alive. You know, this is um, his, his favourite Kiss album, I think he says. It's, the, it's that it's the title is taken from a Slade album, of course. And he accepts that 
there may well be overdubs. There's often been a discussion around, were there overdubs? Were there not? Was it just because there were some flubs and they had to just record certain things? He says, I don't really care about that. I like live fake albums. And if I ever produce um, a list of my favourite albums, there'll be a lot of live fake albums in there as well. We get to talk a lot about Destroyer, which is, I suppose their, I mean, Alive was their breakout album, but they had to follow up with something good, and they did. Talks about Bob Ezrin being in there, a hard taskmaster, got them to play in a different kind of way. And because of that, it says it sounds different, and it's the least of his favourite um, albums from the first four. He talks about Detroit Rock City and who did the solo on that. I think he mentions that Ezrin did the solo on that. I'd need to check that again because I'm not sure about that. But he also says, and he's honest here, fans were unhappy when it was released and so they wanted to go back in the studio, make a harder rocking album. In the meantime, DJs were playing the B-side of Detroit Rock City, which was Beth, of course, which became an enormous hit. Ezrin adding the orchestra to all of, to a song which had been around for a while. And of course, the good doctor says that he loves this song as well. I have to say it's not one of my favourites, but you know, he, he'll love that because, well, this is Kiss. Peter Chris's song, Peter Chris singing, he loves it. And then we're on to his favourite studio album, which is which is Rock and Roll Over, which uh, we see the adverts for that, which is nice to see the adverts for the album coming up. And what he does now is something very sweet. He bigs up a member of the KISS organisation, Sean Delaney, who wrote with KISS, who was the first person to get their manager, Bill Arquan, to see them, who roaded with them. He also moved into production, the first Billy Squire album, did a solo album. And he says, I wanted to put him in my documentary because no one speaks of him. And he's right. And it's really good to see that this guy was a fixer, part of the organisation who did great work for them, you know, and uh, sadly no longer with us. But he wanted to put him in there. He also shows that they were part of an American kind of chart village people type band. Shows us a bit of that. And it's really interesting to see this. Really nice that he did that. He also mentions the blood from Kiss, which went into the comic book that they produced at the time. Although he actually said the blood was mixed with um, print ink and actually went into a Sports Illustrated magazine rather than their own mag and very nicely there is a news report from the period which um, the reporter Riley and quite horribly actually saying you know hope people don't fall for this it's a you know and he's he's, he's being um, he's not very happy about this stunt this is purely a marketing stunt and the anchorman afterwards says uh, classy act guys you know, all of that, people didn't like that eponymous kiss feel and didn't. There were people who didn't like that. And there were also people who didn't like all of the concern around the, the, the blood and the fire eating and the possibility of, you know, Satan worship. Oh, I think they're called Knights in Satan's Service, aren't they? I don't really think so, unless there's sales in it, but I don't really think so. He touches on Love Gun, so it's his favourite album cover favourite costumes and it's the last album to have to have Peter Chris playing on all the songs and then all four members sing on this Ace freely finally being persuaded to sing on one of his own songs because he didn't have the balls to do that before then I understand why then we get to another high point which is the second live album Kiss Alive 2 and as he said it's not long 
since the first album. But he opens up the, we see the package opened up, the gatefold sleeve and the pick. He says, I don't think any other band has ever produced a better picture in the middle of their albums. And he could be right. It is gorgeous. We see the adverts for that coming out. And he says, he also gives us a good insight into where the songs came from. Some, they recorded a show at Budokan, but the band didn't like it, so they shelved that. But some of the songs came from that. Some of the songs came from a sound check, where uh, Crowd Noise was added later on. The fourth side, of course, has um, new songs on it. Bob Kulik played on a few of those new tracks. Then he moves on to the album that he bought first. And in a way, like a lot of younger people, he bought the Greatest Hits album first, Double Platinum. A friend of his had it. He went round, uh, he went to the to the store the following day, wanted to see if Come On and Love Me was on there. Soon as he saw it was on there, he bought that album. So he has a real feel for it. But now we're segueing into later on in the decade and when they were really at their height and at their, at their uh, most hubricious. Is that a word? Hubristic. Not hubricious, although I like it better. Hubristic, because now is the four solo albums. And he goes through each each of the albums and says, I'd rated them in my mind, but now listening to them again, I've changed them. He thinks that Gene Simmons' album is the worst of the four. There's a few good good albums, the rest is that he's garbage. He calls it a hot mess, and I like that phrase. But he loves Ace's album even more than the Kiss albums. He says every song on this is extraordinary. And it is generally thought that this is the best of the four. And I agree. I really agree. He said that actually four million of these albums were pressed and there were many returns because we had overexposure. Too many projects, products. You've got Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park at the same time. Not a good movie. Really cheesy. He's grown to like it. I still don't like it. It's got some terrible effects in it. Peter Chris is completely dubbed over the whole way through. The acting is wooden. And I think you could only enjoy it for the cheese factor. But at the time, people didn't. And Kiss was seen as being overexposed, oversaturated. If you can be oversaturated. As he says, so what do they do? There's also a movement at the time, which is Disco Sucks. You've got the gentleman, the DJ, who wanted a bit of attention. And so in the middle of a, of a, a football field, or a baseball field, baseball, I think, had the explosion of Bring Your Disco Records and all of that. Not ideal, particularly when you consider the racial element to that. But disco wasn't liked. So what do Kiss do? They make a disco song because enough people do like disco to make it sell. And on the Dynasty album, I Was Made For Loving You is a great song. It is a great piece of work. It is a disco sounding song, but it has nice big guitars on there as well. He says he hated it when it first came out. And I'm not surprised when I listened to Hot Space, Queen's Hot Space. I was such a fan. I was very disappointed when I first heard the disco stuff. Now it's my favorite Queen album. And as he said, my brain wasn't really developed, not fully developed by then. Now I'm... I, I, I can understand it and enjoy it. It's almost as if you're being allowed to do that. You've allowed yourself to do it. There's also interesting insights in here in that Anton Fig drummed on a lot of this because 
Peter Chris had had a, an accident in which he messed, car accident in which his hands were damaged. And he says, now is the time when a lot of people who were older turned away from Kiss and little kids started to appear. It was more like a Kiss circus. We, he said the best thing that happened, and this came out in 79, in 79, he thinks, although he likes the Dynasty album very much, was their appearance on the Tom Snyder chat show in which Ace Freely clearly, um, clearly refreshed in some way. Maybe not, but that's the allegation. And um, giggling uh, like a schoolgirl talks to um, to Tom Snyder and say, talks about his his outfit. What what is this? You know. And he says, well, this is the this is a V shape here. We don't want to go any further. This is my utility belt. We don't want to go any further down. That's reserved for concert payers. <laughs> That's really nice. And um, Tom Snyder's enjoying it. The audience seem to be enjoying it. But Gene Simmons is looking so angry in this. They then went out on tour. Biggest production they've ever, they've ever had, and they never had, and they lost money on that tour. Some of the, the gigs were cancelled. One gig was moved from a larger to a smaller, 10,000 seater arena. The last gig they did, the last concert they did, the last work they did, all together until they came back together, inevitably. And that's where we end it on this documentary. But, you know, there's a lot of Kiss music out there. And inevitably, if you're not a massive fan, you're bound to think, yeah, I've not listened to that album for ages. For me, it's the early albums. We're about to go into um, unmasked music from The Elder and then the real unmasking in the next edition, which I, I'm looking forward to watching too. But this will take, sure, will take you back and certainly will take me back into Kiss Music. And that is never time that's badly spent it's four and a half out of five here because this good doctor has the prescription for what ails you excitement and delight and with a fan documentary that's exactly what you want now where's my kiss cauliflower i need to make me dinner ta-ta